The topic today is the role of internal auditing and IT governance, and who better to speak to that than David Richards, President of the Institute of Internal Auditors. David, thanks so much for joining me today. Glad to be here. Just to sort of start out, why don't you tell us a little bit about your, your organization and your role there? Well, the Institute of Internal Auditors is a global organization of about 160,000 members in about 166 countries. Uh, we were formed in uh, 1941 and have been around uh, a good deal of time and uh, are the organization that issues the international standards for the professional practice of internal auditing. We provide a uh, international certification program, which includes a certified internal auditor uh, designation. Uh, we provide guidance, training, and all sorts of uh, resources uh, for our members to uh, help them in the performance of internal auditing. Very good. David, what's the role of internal rod auditing today in IT security? Well, I think it's uh, one that is very much a risk-oriented um, role. They're helping the organization not only from a business sense but an IT sense to know what the risks are of the business and how uh, to uh, put focus on those risks as to what uh, controls are most important for the organization to pay attention to. Um, you know, things to me like access controls are really important and the internal audit function helps the organization to identify where those key uh, controls are around uh, that particular subject, as well as uh, classifying information, making sure that the uh, systems in place have put the information in the right categories so that when retrieval comes along, uh, the reliance on that information to be appropriate to the decision maker um, is is there so that if they are using that information to make business decisions uh, or report on that information that they can rely that the information is appropriate and correct. Um, so this is one of the areas and I think uh, as has been the case in the last few years uh, assessing those controls for its effectiveness, um, part of the work that has been done under the Sarbanes-Oxley Act here in the U.S. and is now being replicated around the world in other similar legislation, has put internal auditing more into the role of looking at business controls, and that includes IT controls uh, and security, to be a major factor that businesses are being asked to confirm to their constituents that these controls are, in fact, uh, working as designed, which leads to an opinion on internal control and, and really the uh, internal audit function helping management to arrive at that uh, decision. Now, a couple questions I want to ask you about this. First of all, what do you find is unique about internal auditing in a banking institution? Well, uh, each sector uh, where internal auditing is performed offers uniquenesses um, to the internal audit practice, although there's lots of commonalities, the degree with which the practice of internal auditing works in a particular business sector uh, varies because of the nature of that business. Now, in the case of banking, you find that a lot of the internal audit functions uh, in those uh, organizations are generally very large. They're probably, relative to our organization, the most uh, largest types of internal audit functions. Uh, of any other uh, business uh, type, uh, primarily because they spend a lot of time with branches, and there's a lot of branch auditing that's done where you're going and comparing 
and looking at the specific financial activities of those banks, looking at transactions and looking at the security of those particular banks and so on. So it's there's a lot of replication and comparison between operations within those uh, different locations. And depending on the complexity of the bank and how widespread it is and the diversity of that bank will determine the scope of the internal audit function. Now, many of the internal audit functions I know of in the banking industry have now moved on to, in addition to financial audits, to doing operational-type audits and then the, really the compliance-type work to laws and regulations and making sure that they're meeting all the requirements that the bank regulations have, as well as um, looking at uh, those kinds of things that are more sensitive to the organization, such as access controls, uh, given that the you know, banks have a high degree of electronic type transactions, um, which many other industries have just started in that route, where the banking industry is much more advanced and doing lots of things uh, over the Internet, for example, allowing people and, and uh, uh, their customers to do transactions over the Internet, which is a much more security issue than, uh, let's say, the electric company, which uh, I used to come from, where, where a lot of that was done by mailings to, uh, to your customers and then writing a check and paying you that way, which is a lot more manual in nature. The other question I have for you, you talked about IT auditing before. What's the primary difference between an internal auditor and an IT auditor? Because I think sometimes those get confused. Well, it's kind of interesting. In, in my uh, uh, 25 years as uh, an internal auditor, uh, myself and in the 30-some years of business um, that I've been uh, working, uh, I found that the, the internal auditor and the IT auditor uh, very much coming uh, closer and closer together as compared to once. They were very, very separate. Um, and when I started in the 1980s, uh, the IT auditor was very much of a lone wolf and did their own thing and the rest of the staff was out doing other things that never really, the paths didn't really cross. And as time has gone on, the amount of knowledge that an internal auditor, a general internal auditor, needs to have has now crossed the line into a lot of the things that we in the past specifically identified as being more of an IT auditor role. And by this I mean, for example, that they, again, a lot of this is the mechanization that has occurred in organizations over time and that the amount of transactions being done electronically haven't, have required the internal auditor to be able to operate in that environment, which is highly mechanized and highly computer oriented, and therefore their uh, ease and use of computerized uh, information, getting access to that data, pulling it out of the computer, being able to do uh, sample tests of it, being able to do comparisons and, and operate uh, using a computer is more of a general technique today, uh, which it used to be more of a specialty technique reserved to the IT auditor, which uh, now I think is more in, involved in the technical audits where you need to get into the language of how a program functions to confirm that a particular control is actually operating as it was intended in its original configuration when the program was put in place. So being able to run test transactions, for example, through a system to see that you get the same answer that you thought you were going to get uh, is something that you may now reserve to an IT-type auditor who's going to understand the system and know how to structure those transactions to enable them to get through the system 
and evaluate the, the back-end results to see that if I put something in that I thought was going to create an error signal, did it in fact create the error signal at the end so that I know the control is, is buried in the, in the programming and is still functioning. An example that I can give you is uh, years ago in, in accounts payable when I worked there, we used to have a control that would look for duplicate payments. And when the, the controls uh, for that would come into the system, the, the thing with the uh, invoice would pop out as being a duplicate payment because it would compare that invoice number to prior invoices in the system. And doing an audit, we found uh, later on that the, the operators had turned off that particular control so that they were no longer getting these duplicate payment uh, lists that were potential duplicate payments because it took them too much time to go down that list and, and to compare and figure them all out. So they just turned it off where, in fact, everybody was sitting there thinking that control was still in place. And until you test the system, you don't realize that it actually has uh, not functioning the way someone had designed it to be in initial configuration. So I think there there are uh, significant differences historically, but the, that gap is narrowing primarily due to the types of uh, work conditions that are out there. I do think that the IT auditor tends to have much more of a computer background and has a computer science education and a lot of times has worked in a computer uh, department, so they they tend to have the operational experience of of knowing how a computer functioning in the in a computer environment is, where the the internal auditor will come from a wide variety of backgrounds that are business related, and will have a better understanding of the business and how the business functions. And so you know, that marriage is really a very very good function within the department. Let me ask you now about the audit committee and about the board of directors. What should they know about IT governance? And then the, sort of the follow-up to that is what should they be doing to ensure that their financial institutions, particularly their IT systems, are secure? Well, I think the, it starts back with the subject of a risk assessment. The, uh, the board, and specifically the audit committee, uh, generally has in their charter a responsibility to oversee uh, risk for the, for the organization. And that doesn't mean that they have to know uh, all the risks of the business, but they need to oversee the process by which management uh, identifies the risks of the business and to understand where those risks have been mitigated and where risks may not be able to be mitigated or for which unmitigated risks might exist. In other words, to understand the, the exposure that the business has. And that's a, a daunting task, which the audit committee has oversight of, and so they need to be working with the internal audit function, which also needs to have that working understanding of uh, the risk of the business. And our standards call for the internal audit function to do an annual risk assessment of the business and to base their annual audit plan on that risk assessment so that they're working hand-in-hand with management and understanding what the risks of the business, where mitigation has occurred of those risks, and what controls people are relying on to mitigate a risk so that the audits will focus on the key risks and where those uh, controls are most important to the organization. So the audit committee needs to understand that, and they need to have not only management, but the external auditor and the internal auditor providing them information so that they can assess whether management uh, has done the right thing and is, is in fact, not giving a false sense of security and saying, well, we have everything under control. They're getting verification through the internal audit function to uh, and really assure uh, the audit committee that what management is telling them 
is in fact in place. Let's talk about frameworks a bit, David. What sort of framework should an IT department look to when establishing IT governance? And I wonder what you see most commonly in banking institutions. Well, I think the most common framework that I'm familiar with out there is the so integrated uh, internal control framework, which was uh, initially written in 1992 and has been updated uh, several times here in the last few years, most notably in 1996 with the uh, the issue where we, we issued the 20 uh, principles of good internal control. Uh, that uh, document and the series of documents issued by COSA, which the IIA is one of the five sponsoring organizations, uh, has sought to try to provide a framework upon which the oversight of the organization falls into the, the key components of good internal control. And that provides a good framework so that if, uh, let's say, management of the business is looking at where are the areas that I need to be paying attention to, there is a, a methodology that can be followed to give you some feedback as to how well your organization scores. Now, I know a lot of organizations from an IT governance standpoint rely on the COBIT uh, framework, which is issued by ISACA, which is very prevalently used throughout uh, business today as a uh, in the IT department as being the principles that they follow in terms of good security and, and, and internal control uh, subjects uh, for IT. Uh, the IA has, has issued uh, its own set of guidance to our members in helping them. Uh, it's a, a framework we call GATE, G-A-I-T, and it's available on our website to a free, which is, is intended to help the internal auditor determine what controls within the IT framework are the ones that should be tested, and it helps them to put, go through a methodology in doing that, and it provides a framework for isolating what are the most important controls. So there those are the most prevalent ones that I'm aware of out there in the, uh, and I'm sure there are others that um, are available that people can use uh, to help assess whether or not they are paying attention to the right types of uh, subject matter. Let's talk about resources now. What does the IIA offer to audit committees, executive management, IT directors, and their auditors who need some guidance on IT governance? Well, we have a series known as GTAG, and it's a series now that are 11 uh, publications. They're short in nature, generally something less than uh, 10 to, to 20 pages, on a variety of, of IT subject matter that uh, are written in a language that the average person can understand. So it's not um, a technical journal. It is a written document to say, you know, what might be the IT audit plan uh, subjects that should be looked at in an organization. How do you determine what are those subjects? Um, it might be around access controls. Um, it might be on general controls and how do you look at those. But we've taken a whole series and, and these um, documents are available on our website, again, free to our, uh, to our members to go out and, and see. And, and we have made this available to many audit committees as well. A lot of our members give this as a, a source for audit committees on certain IT subjects when it comes up uh, in their discussions. Uh, we also have a tone at the top series that we produce that from time to time will produce um, a, a document which generally is about at, at, uh, around a once-a-month type of uh, document, depending on when there's something to be said to audit committees. And we have a series of, pe of people that we send this to to help them. Uh, it's a very short document, usually about two pages, 
which really just uh, tries to identify a specific subject for audit committees. Uh, in addition to that, uh, our website is uh, on the subject of IT provides not only additional information that we have, but lots of links to other organizations that we are relying on as being experts in specific fields that we um, would call our members' attention to to say, you know, we're not trying to duplicate somebody else's work. We have an expert out there that knows uh, this particular subject, and so we refer them to that. Uh, we do webinars, and in fact, on October 23rd, which is next week, we're doing one on IT governance, strangely enough, hmm. uh, which uh, is a topic along the way that we, we have some things out there from time to time on various IT subjects that are uh, the webinar-type things over the Internet. Very good. We have lots of uh, bookstores and uh, resources uh, within our bookstore to help out. We do surveys, and we have a technology conference and symposiums annually to help us to identify technology issues within internal auditing and get experts in the field to get together and talk about what those are. And finally, I just mentioned that our new uh, set of standards that go in effect on January the 1st, 2009, has a specific standard in there about the internal auditor's role to assess IT governance uh, as part of uh, one of the, the responsibilities that the internal audit function has. Very good. One last question for you, David. You know, given the economic challenges we're all facing right now, what kind of advice do you have for financial institutions that find both their financial and human resources constrained when it comes to audit? Well, one thing that I found out, and I've talked around the world and I ask this question pretty frequently of all internal audit department uh, chief audit executives, uh, do they have enough resources to do the work that they need to have done? And I have not found uh, anyone who has raised her hand and says, i got people sitting on the sidelines with nothing to do. So I know this, the subject of, of uh, resource constraints um, affect many different areas of the business, but internal auditing very much as, as well because of the scope and responsibilities that we have. So that, to me, the real focus uh, is on those risks that are, that are genuinely important for the organization to pay attention to. And that is uh, not an easy subject to orchestrate, but it's one that collectively the organization needs to understand, and one that I think businesses have continuously failed to do, is to understand the real risks that our organization is taking on, and understand that if, in fact, management, for purposes of good business, decide to take on risk, which any growth in any business is means you're going to have to take some risk, and, and you can't avoid risk. Risk is a part of any business. You need to understand where you're exposing the organization to uh, a level of risk that maybe in the past was not in, uh, exposed to. So you're branching out into a new field or you're taking on a new product line, whatever it is that you're doing, that a new level of risk is being entered into the, uh, the mix of the organization. And so that uh, level of management decision-making should drive certain types of oversight of those new uh, risks uh, to the extent that the organization feels that it needs to monitor uh, how that risk is pay playing out versus what you think it was going to do. So it's important to understand where those risks are. And to have a good internal audit department, I think, is very, very critical in monitoring to the business because if you have a properly staffed internal audit function with the people who are qualified, certified, and knowledgeable, that there they can operate with a much smaller group of people from a human resources standpoint and be much more uh, importantly effective in the organization 
because they will be qualified as compared to having just populated it with uh, resources and not being concerned about their education and their knowledge and their continuous involvement and knowledge of the profession and the, the subject areas that they're going to be auditing. And uh, finally, I think that, that needs to be uh, the internal audit department needs to have a level of independence on reporting issues. Again and again, we find that uh, those internal audit functions that have a strong working relationship with the board of directors and a strong working relationship with senior management in a well-defined organization where people are very interested in doing things right, that when the internal auditor has that access and can take the issue to those two forums and be relied upon to get rely upon them to, to take the proper action, that's a healthy environment. When that breaks down, that's when uh, problems start. And when the internal auditor does not have that, that access to those organizational elements, the audit committee and senior management, then the issues are not brought to the proper attention of the people who need to be aware of and to take the appropriate steps to ensure proper management response is taken and accountabilities are put in place to ensure things are, are corrected. So, uh, and then finally, I think that, that uh, one other thing I would add is that having a, a quality assessment review of the internal audit function is a great way for the audit committee and management to give themselves a level of appreciation of do I have a good internal audit function? Is that, that internal audit, how does that stack up against other internal audit functions around the world? Against a set, an independently set set of standards and, and activity that you don't have to spend a lot of money to do that. You can do that very effectively. Uh, but I think the fact that the audit committee or senior management uh, requires their internal audit function to live by our standards, which says once every five years you need to have an external assessment of your internal audit function to give you the assurance that they are performing in accordance with an, in the international standards. Dave, well said. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Well, thank you for inviting me to speak, and uh, any time that uh, I can help in the future, certainly feel free to give me a call. Very good. We've been talking with David Richards, President of the Institute of Internal Auditors. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.